game is over, the New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it! That's a Jet touchdown! Can't wait! You're listening to the official New York Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. What's up, everybody? Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen back in studio for another edition of the official Jets podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be going down to Jacksonville via the phone line. We're going to be talking to Jaguars.com's John Osher about what's going on there in Florida. But right here up in the Tri-State EA, first of all, the weather took a little dip this weekend. It's pretty nice. That typically happens, Greens. The leaves start <laughs> falling, start dancing <laughs> a little you. bit, gets a little cooler. But the Jets aren't going to be cool this weekend because the forecast in Jacksonville calls for temperatures in the high 80s with high humidity. If you recall a couple of weeks ago when the Patriots went down there, it looked like everyone on the field was boiling, literally boiling. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the weather were similar. I didn't see much of that ball game because I believe we played. The Jets had their home opener in week two uh, against the Miami Dolphins, and that was the 4 o'clock game. So got home a little bit late, and then uh, saw Jacksonville take care of business. Uh, Fortunately for them, they looked like they were going to take an early season stranglehold on the AFC South, but uh, Tennessee's had their number of late, and we're going to talk to John Osher about that because the Titans have won three consecutive games against the Jaguars. And that's a, a difficult team to go up against. I mean, the Jaguars were a couple plays away from the Super Bowl. Funny thing about that game, and we're not focusing on Tennessee here, but Blaine Gabbert goes out. And I think Marcus Mariota is a better quarterback despite uh, dealing with an elbow injury. And he has a knack for making plays on the ground in tight matchups. So, listen, the Jets are going to be in for a dogfight down there against the Jaguars team who brings it defensively. And on occasion, they can get going offensively. And we saw that against the New England Patriots, like you mentioned before. Uh, I think it's a good little mini buy for the Jets after that of what uh, occurred in Cleveland. So they're able to get away from football for a little bit, and the coaches maybe had uh, some time for a self-scout after three games in 11 days, where the Jets did a lot of good things. Unfortunately, they didn't do enough, so they're one and two, and I know they'd love to finish this first quarter of the season with a two and two mark, which would be all the more impressive considering this is their third road game, and this proceeds a three-game homestand. So this is a big game for the Jets here early in the year. We'll see what the status is of Jaguars running back Leonard Fournette. He missed the past two games with a hamstring injury. We'll speak to John Osher about that too because, you know what, maybe it's a, a lingering thing, maybe it's not. But I'm well, not used to these Jaguars. We're going to talk to Osher about it. But it's uh, a Ke- Ke- Keelan Cole and D.D. Westbrook. D.D. Westbrook. Uh, one of Baker Mayfield's favorite yeah, targets did, at Oklahoma. Yeah, Diddy Westbrook had a tremendous collegiate career. Yep. And this Jaguars offense in the passing game is, again, a little different than what fans may remember because two years ago, Allen Robinson was the guy down there. He is now a Chicago Bear. He missed last season with an ACL tear. And then Marquise Lee, who re-signed with the Jags in the offseason, he also got hurt, no longer available. So this... This Jaguars receiving core 
is one that I think a lot of football fans have questions about. And Keelan Cole came on real late last year, and he's a, a speed demon. But And you say this is, uh, I don't know what his 40 times were, but you probably say the sa- same thing about Didi, the other guy. Oh, no doubt. The other guy, uh, uh, Blake Bortles, one of his top targets here on this season. A lot of people know him very well here in Jets Nation. That would be Austin Safarian Jenkins. He also, ironically, in week one against the Giants, had another touchdown catch reversed. So he is. Uh, he may not be on the Jets anymore, but he ASJ does not have some good luck at MetLife the past couple seasons there in terms of reverse touchdowns. I and I think listen, I think Jacksonville uh, had won seven consecutive games at home before facing Tennessee. So uh, you know they want to get to three and one, and I think the Jets are going to come out there with a game effort and be ready. This is a double chin strap game. All right, I think without further ado, we talked about the Jaguars. Let's call in John Osher of Jaguars.com. All righty, it's it's time to go down to Jacksonville, now welcoming in John Osher of Jaguars.com. John, thanks so much for joining us today. No problem, guys, no problem. The O-Zone down in Jacksonville. The O-Zone. That's a good, I like that. <laughs> I That's guess, a good one. I guess. So after last season – you know, being so close to a Super Bowl berth is what's been the pulse in Jacksonville so far entering the fourth week of the season? Well, the pulse, uh, you know, all off season and really the first two weeks of the season has been sort of a feeling of, uh, you know, they got close last year. And then even beyond that, you know, sometimes you get close and you feel like, okay, that was our shot. Uh, we blew it. Now we got to move on and try to rebuild or whatever. Well, the, the pulse of this team is that pretty much everybody came back. They lost a few pieces on defense. Uh, they lost Allen Robinson on, on offense at uh, wide receiver. But overall, the feeling was, hey, this is a young team. Uh, the basically ten starters on defense return, including Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Clayus Campbell, Telvin Smith, mm-hmm. all the guys I just listed are Pro Bowlers. Uh, and a lot of them are just coming into their prime. Um, So there's really a feeling of, hey, as good as we were last year, this is a team that ought to be getting better and maybe just scratch the surface. Now, and it was really feeling that after the win over New England a couple weeks back. Uh, Came out on on Sunday, followed that up with a uh, loss to Tennessee where the offense was just really bad. So... The overall pulse maybe doesn't match this immediate aftermath pulse, which, as you guys know, being in New York, every loss is the end of the world, right? That's right. It's such a week-to-week <laughs> league. What is the magic formula? Because you've been talking about it all week down there in Jacksonville now. What do the Tennessee Titans have over the Jacksonville Jaguars? Now they've won three consecutive games in the regular season. And can the Jets take anything from their game plan? Well, it, you know, I, I don't it, I don't remember exactly what the Jets did defensively last year against the Jaguars. That was week four last year. I haven't gone back and looked at it. But, you know, the Jets did, if you remember, did a nice job of limiting the Jaguars' offense, uh, made that a close game, and the Jets had the long run. Uh, Bilal Powell, I think, yep. you know, the long run, they kind of kept it in it and, and I sort of swayed that game. But it was, it was a defensive game that the Jets won. 
because of field position at the end of the game, a huge punt that changed the field position. Uh, so we're talking about field position type games where you shorten the game. Um, that's what the Titans always do against the Jags. It's it's a field goal type of game. Uh, it was only field goals the other day. Uh, last year they beat them 15 to 10. They had another game that was 6-3 at halftime. So the Titans uh, are able to get the Jaguars in a situation where they shorten games. They play kind of sloppy. They play kind of messy. They get big first downs that you wouldn't expect with Mariota, you know, scrambling and running for five yards on third and four, and then all of a sudden you're on the field uh, two or three minutes more. Um, I don't know that that's, had, that's the way the Jets want to play. It seems like with Darnold that they're looking toward a future where they're really efficient on offense. But as of right now, if the Jets kind of trying to get going and being a good defensive team, uh, that's a way that you can hang with the Jaguars. Yeah, I tell you what, I remember last season's game like it was yesterday, and, and the Jets really, they pounded it on the ground. It was big, got big games from not only Bilal Powell, but Eli McGuire as well. Eli won't be playing in this ball game, and it, it's a different offensive system up front, the zone blocking scheme. Bilal sure. Powell's come out, and he's averaging about 4.5 yards a carry, and the Jets are getting the contributions from the running backs. But the big thing, John, uh, that they're stressing here up in New York with Sam Darnold, this uh, commitment to the run and also a, a balanced offensive attack. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a different feel for the Jaguars. And you mentioned last year the Jets ran all over them. And when the, when the Jags struggled early last year defensively, that's where they struggled. They got run on. Uh, that's changed a little bit since they went out and got Marcel Darius, who Jets fans know from his days with the Bills. Uh, the Jaguars, after midseason last year, were a much better running defense. And even the other day, uh, Derrick Henry got 150 on him, um, but it was on 35 carries. It didn't feel like a gash kind of game. Um, so the Jaguars at least feel like they're a better overall defense, certainly, than the one that played the Jets last year in Week 4. Um, so obviously the Jets are going to want to run but maybe a different matchup than it was last year. What's up with Leonard Fournette? Because he hurt his hamstring or tweaked it in MetLife Stadium, ironically, against the Giants. And do you think that, one, do you think that he's going to be ready to play Sunday? I know it's very early in the week as sure. we record here on Monday. And then the second part is, is I know it's been a, a small sample size this year, but how different is this offense with Fournette playing in the game versus not? Yeah, it's, it's tricky to try to uh, project if he'll play Sunday. I, I, he had a much better chance, I think, of playing this past Sunday than the first week he was out, which makes sense with a hammy. Um, you know, if I had to guess, I'd say he plays because he said he was so much further ahead than where he was. But, uh, you know, this is not a team that's very forthcoming in terms of degree of injury mm. on that front, which you know, you know, most NFL teams aren't. That's right. But it, it's it's it, it's kind of tough to get a read on that. I would guess he plays, but I sure wouldn't uh, I wouldn't bet anything important on it. If you follow me, um, it's a it's a different offense in this sense. They uh, they have had stretches where they're better offensively uh, when he's not in the game. It's kind of a weird thing, but they open up the offense a little more. They they throw effectively, but for the most part. 
they're a better offense when he's in the game because he gives them such a threat of running that teams really have to defend it. When he's not in the game, you don't feel as much of a sense of urgency as a defense to make sure you get him stopped. Uh, and therefore, you know, you're not as apt to pack the line of scrimmage, makes it a little tougher on the passing game. So he's really the uh, the offense's identity. Even on games where he doesn't run for 100 yards, uh, they like to get physical. They like to run. You know, I'd like to have him uh, run you over, gets everybody else fired up. Uh, he's sort of a calling card for him, if you will, and it does change when he's not in the game. In the Jets' uh, 23-20 overtime victory over the Jags last year, I'm looking at Fournette's stats right now, and I didn't realize it actually during that Sunday action, but, man, what a workload. 24 carries, 86 yards, four receptions, 59 yards, and a receiving touchdown. So uh, he was very productive. Uh, last fall against the green and white. Uh, what have you seen from Blake Bortles here early this season? I think it's going to help the Jets that they've faced a couple of uh, quarterbacks who can use their legs here early on in the season. Ryan Tannehill, the RPOs with the Dolphins, and Terod Taylor, I faced him for a, a half. Uh, Bortles is another guy who can use his legs, but he had a coming out party against the Patriots. I think he threw for over 300 yards, and then uh, uh, the whole offense wasn't able to get going against uh, Tennessee. Yeah, it's been kind of up and down. Uh, probably the best way to describe Bortles is uh, for for the first three years of his career, everything around him and him, it, it was all so bad that he really got sort of a bad rap as just being awful. I mean, there were people who just wrote him off and said, this guy's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, he's not that. He's a quarterback who can beat you. If you're covering guys, man, if, he, if he's got guys open, he can hit them. I don't think he's one of the best ten quarterbacks in the NFL, but he is a guy who is very savvy, very tough. This team believes in him. And I've, uh, primarily, he's been really good for the last, I'd say, 19, 20 games at if he hits a patch of adversity – I mean, if he has a bad game like he did yesterday or if he has a bad throw, an interception, he's been exceptionally good at putting it away and moving on. Early in his career, a bad play, a bad game, uh, things would sort of, you know, uh, sort of start to snowball. I don't know if you would see the shoulders drop, but there was just sort of a collective, okay, here we go again. Well, now he's much better at if something goes bad, he responds to it. They tend to have a good drive after he throws an interception. And that's really what they ask of him is, hey, you're going to make mistakes. We know it's not going to be perfect, but bounce back from it. So that's where he's improved. And it's one reason he got to the AFC Championship game last year. He just doesn't concern himself with the criticism, doesn't really worry if there's a bad play. Uh, he knows the team has confidence in him, so he's not turning around and looking over his shoulder trying to lose his job every week. Flipping sides of the ball here to the defensive side is, from New York, when you think about the Jaguars, you say, oh, my God, that's one of the best defenses in the league. When you look at the front seven and then A.J. Bouye and Jalen Ramsey. And so what I want to know is from your perspective, because you're very much closer to the team than we are, is what is the strength of this defense? And then secondly is if you're an offense, let's say the Jets this week, is how do you even go about attacking a defense like the Jaguars? Well, it's tough, and I'll give you a stat that I just 
I just sort of dug up in the last, uh, you know, as I was doing the game uh, on a uh, Sunday night, they've really given up one touchdown this year uh, when they've had a lead of less than 10 points. And that was when uh, Saquon Barkley went, I think, for 67 yards in the opener. They they had the Patriots down 21-3 before they gave a touchdown, and they didn't give up one against the Titans, even though they lost that game. Uh, the defense was very strong, had a couple of drives late where they gave up some runs they didn't want to. Um, it's probably like any defense that's really, really good. If you can run on them, then it forces them to do things they don't want to do. They have to commit a little more to it. And then you open yourself up on the back end, uh, which is a little bit of a cliche. It's not really detailed toward this defense, but that's how you get this defense. If you can run on them, then they have to single cover a little bit or they have to do things in the back seven they don't like. To answer the question of why they're good, uh, they rush the passer very, very consistently, and they tend to get the ball out when they hit the quarterback. And then, of course, like you said, they've got uh, two cornerbacks who are as good as there is, and uh, the safeties, Barry Church and and, uh, Deshaun Gibson, are very underrated. They're both veterans. And probably the thing that makes them really unique beyond those two levels of the defense Miles Jack and Telvin Smith, who are their main linebackers, uh, they're the guys who play all three downs, might be the fastest duo in the league. So they're tough to get outside on if if you're trying to run or or uh, you know hit plays in the short passing game to the running backs. Uh, they tend to cut that off pretty quickly. Are they creating a home field advantage down there? I know this is, it comes right after losing to Tennessee at home, but prior to that game, I believe it was seven in a row. Or do you think that's more just of the reasoning there is Jacksonville's just a good team. It doesn't matter where they play. Well, it, uh, probably the best way to answer is this. For a long time, you know, I covered this team back in the 90s when it was a terrific home field advantage. Well, it was not nearly as good a franchise for about 15 years. And for about five or six years before last year, they were bad every year. So the home field advantage went away uh, really because the team hadn't earned it. About midway through last season, you really saw it come back. Um, And in the last three or four games of last season, Buffalo playoff game, there was an afternoon game against Seattle where, to me, it felt once again like it had felt in the 90s when they had Fred Taylor and Tony Baselli and guys like that going to the playoffs every year you were starting to get that feeling back. So to answer your question, when this team's good, this is a very, very tough place to play. And it it has felt like that the last two weeks. Now, one factor yesterday is it was so unbelievably hot that once you hit the third quarter, uh, I, I think the fans, I think the heat was just, as often happens in Florida sometimes, you just had a heat factor where maybe not quite the advantage it had been in a late afternoon game the week before, but... It's uh, As somebody who covered this team early on, it's been impressive to see that home field advantage come back. John, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, really quickly here, is since Aaron Colvin has departed in the offseason, who's stepped up as that slot third corner, and how has he been performing? Well, uh, DJ Hayden was the slot, um, who was a former first-round pick by the uh, Raiders and then and played a year uh, with the Lions. They signed him as a free agent to replace Colvin. He played very well at that spot um, for the first two weeks. Uh, had a toe injury last Friday. Didn't play on Sunday against the Titans. He had been playing very, very well. Uh, 
Tyler Patman played in his place the other day. Uh, I haven't really watched specifically on how he played, but they've liked him for a while. It uh, didn't seem to hurt them because the Titans really didn't. Titans weren't able to throw because Mariota's elbow was still bothering him. So probably a little bit of an incomplete on Tyler Patman. Uh, and it'll be something to watch this week. Does DJ Hayden come back and play? Because he had replaced Colvin, I think, much better than people thought he would. And finally, John, how's Austin Safarian Jenkins doing down there? He's, uh, you know, I've gotten to know him a little bit. As you guys know, uh, great guy. He's added a little something to their uh, their passing game. Last year they had a guy named uh, Mercedes Lewis who had been here forever. Yep. And Mercedes is a front-line run blocker, not a great pass blocker. I mean, not a great pass catcher at this stage of his career. So Safarian Jenkins uh, caught a touchdown against New England, had one called back against the Giants. They had hoped he'd add a wrinkle to the passing game. And, you know, uh, through three games, you get an incomplete. But so far, so good. All right. Well, John, thank you very much for joining us here on the Official Jets podcast. And we'll see you Sunday. Absolutely. Look forward to it, guys. Great stuff from the Ozone down in Jacksonville. Long story short, EA, I think, a lot of fans think this too is that it's going to be a tough, tough game for the Jets, especially facing a Jacksonville defense that's widely regarded as probably top three in the NFL. It's a winnable game, though, because the Tennessee uh, went down to Jacksonville last week and they won a slugfest. And I think the Jets do have an ability to get in a slugfest with them. I think it's going to be difficult at times for Jacksonville to move the ball on the Jets' defense. Uh, conversely, we know it's going to be an ugly game at times for the Jets' offense because you're going against a tremendous defense who has players at all three levels. With that being said, I like uh, the scramble ability in, uh, in Sam Darnold in this kind of situation. Maybe he can get some yards on the ground here. And uh, when you look at that game last week, what did Tennessee do? They played great defense, and they stayed in it. So that's what the Jets have to do. You have to make this a game where it's in the third or fourth quarter, it's really tight, and then make the plays down the stretch. And I think they have the ability to do that. Bottom line is, yes, Jacksonville is one of the AFC's top teams, but the Jets certainly have a shot of winning this ballgame. I thought that the stat that Ozier talked about was pretty staggering when he said that the Jaguars have only let up one touchdown when they were within 10 points of their opponent. I thought that was, that's a very impressive stat. And I, I know that you, the Jets are very capable of being involved in a slugfest. But just to inform fans of what a slugfest is, what, where do you look to? Like, are you, talk, are you just talking about like a defensive game? Or are you just talking about a physical game with the run with the run game? What what exactly is the slugfest? And offensively, how do the Jets go about attacking this Jaguar defense? I anticipate this being a low-scoring game. I don't think either one of these teams are going to get in the 30s. Could they get in the 20s? Yes. Um, what I mean by slugfest is again, uh, the Jets this year defensively have not given up a ton of points. We think about Detroit with 17, and the defense actually got on the scoreboard in that ball game. At home against Miami, they gave up 20 points, but 14 of those points came off of turnovers inside, well, not inside, the, the first touchdown there was inside the 20-yard line where Miami benefited from. 
And then Cleveland scored 21 points. So the Jets right now, in terms of giving up points, they're not giving up a ton. They're not giving up a ton of yards. No matter what Baker Mayfield did in the second half last week, and give him a lot of credit for coming out and giving the Browns that spark, the Browns didn't have a ton of yards against the Jets. And uh, Jacksonville offensively has scuffled at times. Is it going to be different if Leonard Fournette is in the ballgame? No doubt about it. He is their workhorse, as Osher said. He is their guy. Interesting, though, Greens, is that Osher commented on it. Sometimes their offense looks a little smoother without Fournette in the ballgame. But then you go to the other side of the ball. The Jets scored a lot of points in Detroit. But complimentary football, all three phases scoring against Miami. Sam Darnold throws for 334 yards, but they're limited to 12 points. And then against the Browns, points were hard to come by. I think when I say a a slugfest is this is going to be a low-scoring game unless teams turn over the football deep inside their territory. I think the Jets' defense is going to be a problem for the Jaguars' offense. Sam Darnold, I anticipate he'll play better than he did Thursday night in Cleveland just because he'll have more preparation. This is his first true NFL week in his career. You think about it, he played Monday night football. Then he comes back and it's a short week against Miami. Then it's a really short week against Cleveland. Well, now this guy has 10 days to prepare for this Jacksonville defense. I think he'll be better this week. Uh, what the Jets have to do is find that offensive balance. Chad Pennington told me uh, this week on Jets Flight Plan, which airs Sunday mornings, 11.30 a.m. on CBS, told me that Jets were doing a good line of scrimmage in the first half against Cleveland. They, you didn't see that as much. Cleveland took control of the line of scrimmage against the Jets. It's going to be tough to win the battle constantly line of scrimmage against Jacksonville. That's just not going to happen. So I anticipate a slugfest. I agree with that because it, whether or not Fournette plays, uh, let's assume just... Let's assume he is, let, right? Yeah, let's assume he is. If he is playing, and I, you would imagine your attention goes to Leonard Fournette in the running game. So then all you know, you stack the box, whatever it may be. Well, the Jaguars receivers are much different than what the Jets faced last year. And last year it was Marquise Lee was the primary guy because Allen Robinson already had hurt his knee. Yep. This year Marquise Lee's hurt his knee earlier this season, and he's done for the year. So your primary option is Keelan Cole and and Dee Westbrook and Dante Moncrief. Yeah. And, and one thing you wrote about it too, but we got to remember Austin Safarian Jenkins yes, too. Yes, absolutely. But it, it's a very different look, and, and I think that last year's receiving core might have been better. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, that, well, uh, whether it's last year or this year, they don't go by Blake Bortles. I think that he is a guy that they're hoping that he, he doesn't lose you a game. But you never put him on the shoulders that he has to win the game. Uh, against New England, like O was saying, John Osher was saying that the, they, they decided they're going to play a lot of man. And the Patriots' defensive backs, frankly, have struggled early in the season. If anybody watched that game against the Detroit Lions Sunday night, that defense is trying to find themselves. The Jets' secondary, while they encountered some problems in the second half, 
I don't think they're trying. They're uh, uh, they're having issues right now. I think, in fact, I I anticipate they're going to get better and better. Well, I think last year what the Jets did so well against the Jaguars is that I remember at the time Coney Ely talked about it. He actually picked off Blake Bortles last year, but I remember him saying that. And it wasn't just him. It was a large chunk of the defenses. What they did so well was pin the Jaguars deep after first and second down. So it was third and long, and then you rush the passer heavily, and you make Blake Bortles throw to get to move the chain. So I, I thought last year the Jets did a very good job of that. And Fournette I, had good numbers last year. He actually. had good numbers receiving too. Yeah, he, he actually scored no, he, on, the, he probably, on like a screen. He probably totaled what near 150 yards probably yeah. of offense, right? Yeah, he he was a very effective player for the Jaguars last year against the Jets. So it would be a big boost if he's in. But if he's not in, like we've talked about before, is T.J. Eldon's not some slouch. He's a very talented running back. No, he's a good back, and he's a dual threat. Also, he can run, he can catch. It'll be interesting for me to see what happens, uh, how the Jets respond long week after three games in 11 days. And, and frankly, I, I think that this team is ready for a slugfest or another dogfight. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. I, I'm real excited to see what happens because I think that the that the Jets match up pretty well against the Jaguars. Yeah, listen, we don't know if they're going to win or lose, but it'd be really something if they wanted to get to 2-2, two and two, and then you have a three-game homestand coming up. you got Denver coming in, followed by Indianapolis and Minnesota. You'd like where you're at if you're 2-2 two and two after four games. The thing that stood out to me about last year's game, looking back, these two teams played each other in week four as well, which I didn't know before I went back and looked again. Obviously, the Jets won 23-20 in overtime, but they pounded the rock. Hey, a 236 yards 56. rushing. Was it 256 yards yeah. rushing? That'd be tough to duplicate that kind of effort. The, huh? the, the Jets, I mean, Bilal Powell had a 75-yard score. Yep. Eli McGuire had a 69-yard score. I mean, th- there were some, some splash plays, but the Jets were consistent on the ground. I mean, that those two plays obviously stick out, but throughout the game the Jets were, were moving. And what Osher said is that after the – the Jags got Marcel Darius midway through the season. Their run defense got a little better, so it's different. It's a different look up front in that in that sense for that. Saxonville, yeah. how about this number for you? Seven sacks through three games. The New uh, York I, Jets. I know you're going to say eight yeah. sacks through three. There games. you go. Uh, no, listen. Uh, Saxonville, comma New York. Calvin Beecham <laughs> said it this week, and you wrote about it. Green said. We know we have to run the football. They know we have to run the football. So, listen, it's sometimes it's not. It's sometimes you're going to get two yards. Sometimes you're going to get one yard. But you got to keep on pounding the rock. And, and, and that's what the Jets are going to uh, do this week. I think Bilal Paul has looked phenomenal early in the season. I think he's averaged about four and a half yards a carry. Isaiah Corral has been in the end zone four times as well. Uh, the other thing that I wrote about in my storylines piece, looking ahead to this matchup, is which one of these teams is going to be able to take a shot down the field and complete it and pick up some chunk yards? Because if you're playing a game in a phone booth, at times you're going to need a chunk play, probably in the passing game. And the Jets weren't able to get that going against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, relying mostly their most successful pass against the Browns was screens, wide receiver screens mm-hmm. to uh, Quincy Inunua. Uh Robbie Anderson had the long touchdown in week one against Detroit. 
And now when you look at Jacksonville, Osher wrote about uh, that this week, that Tennessee dared Bortles, beat us down the field. He didn't take his shots down the field. So we'll see what happens there. It's very interesting matchup-wise because I think a lot of people say, oh, the Jaguars were a game away from the Super Bowl last year and the Jets were 5-11 five, five and, and had the sixth overall pick and then make the time before the trade. I'm just saying that I think the external narrative is not representative of how close of a game this will be. It will be close if the Jets continue to play sound on special teams. So far you got to be encouraged by Andre Roberts as your return man. He's making hay as a punt returner, especially not too many attempts in, 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 as far as kick return is concerned. Jason Myers continues to boot Former the ball. Jaguar. Uh, uh, yep, continues to boot the ball out of the end zone. You want your coverage teams being uh, sound as ever, and you can't turn it over. The second interception of Darnold in Cleveland, th- throw it away. You had no timeouts left, or the, the clock was turning, uh, counting down. You had to get the ball up the field. The first one is the one that he would want to have back. He's, Jermaine Kirsch is open. His eyes are on him. And at the split second, he hesitates. Then the rush comes to him, and he tried going back to him. There's Joe Schobert, and there's your ball game. Can't this, do that this week against Jets. This Sunday, 1 o'clock, Jets Jags in Jacksonville, pregame central. That's a pregame show. You're going to want to watch it. EA, Anthony Becht is going to be making a guest appearance along with Lavernius Cole. So it'll be EA and Anthony Becht. And the Lavernius Coles are going to hop on. Jets Jags, what more could you ask for? That's 11 o'clock Sunday morning. Be sure to lock in. Then we'll be back next week.